On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about how projects go smoothly and what to do when they don't. How do we learn from our mistakes? And we have technology managers who can give us firsthand experience about what it's like to be working with their users and how can we as an industry work best together. All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A state of control. State of control, episode 76. Happy accidents. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry leading technology backed by world class support. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that highlights the control, programming, and automation aspects of the AV industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So on today's show, we're going to be talking about something I think everyone can relate to, and that's project planning and also the lessons learned after a project is over and how we can benefit from them. And with me to discuss this topic, we have um, two special guests, actually, that both come from higher ed institutions, and I'm going to introduce them uh, shortly. And before I do, uh, I'm going to welcome back my partner here at State of Control, uh, Rich Fergosa. Rich, how are you today? I'm good. Mellow West Coast greetings. I'm glad to be back. I uh, I felt like, uh, what is it, the, the Wally Pip streak was broken, right? You know, I missed a show. I was wondering if I was ever going to get back in or who was going to be taking my spot. So uh, Yeah, I hope you listened. You kept my seat warm. So. <laughs> no doubt. You're all, always going to be part of this. So, uh, And uh, joining Rich today, uh, first I want to welcome uh, a both a programmer and also a fan of a state of control. Uh, his name is James King, and he's from Stockton University. How are you, James? I'm good. And yourself? I'm great. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. And last but not least, uh, he comes to us and works with our friend uh, Joe Way over at USC. He, his name is Raj Singh. How are you, Raj? I'm good, Steve. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for being here. So as I mentioned at the beginning, we all know that there's a lot that goes into making a project successful. Even though we look at what, it, what, what we're told and what we hear, and there, there's, uh, the things are always made out to be easier than they appear. But when it comes down to it, all the bits and pieces have to work together. And that's especially the case when it comes to programming. If all of the parts are not in alignment, no matter how good you you write code, you're going to have some trouble, and there's going to be some issues that arise. But the key is is learning from those and figuring out how to do things maybe better next time. But at least, if nothing else, building up your knowledge database so that you can be stronger and go into the next project with with your eyes a little bit more open. So, Rich. I know that this is something that you could probably speak to for hours, but you know, as we know, project no projects go just as planned. But um, so, what what are some of the challenges that you've learned to anticipate 
when it comes to getting into a project and and I guess probably when we're looking at writing code? Well, I think that the more you do it, the more you embrace that. There are a lot of things out of your control in terms of your game plan. And, you know, it's it, as I've gotten older, you know, I always go back to that Mike Tyson line where everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Uh, <laughs> and that's pretty much what we're at in, in, you know, in automation programming. I mean, it's it's something as simple. I had this on a project the other day. It was a, something as simple as one device that had been offline for an AV over IP system for six months. Um, when it finally got plugged in for a presentation, it was two firmware versions behind. However, because it was two firmware versions behind, because it had been unplugged and was only being used for presentations, it caused this bubble up <laughs> process where the other devices didn't communicate because this one rogue device was out of there. Those are things that when you're deploying a project, you know, everything's great. You've got all your ducks in a row, everything's together. Uh, but there are those other acts of God that happen outside. And I think what it, it always comes back to is maintaining your flexibility and knowing that there it, it's not if, it's when, and preparing everybody for when and not if. And it can be handled delicately and responsibly and professionally. And I think what, what I've found that it's a comeback to over the years is, and we've talked about this so many times about having an identity crisis as, as control system programmers and as integrators, um, is being okay saying no, or being okay saying, here is how we are going to do it. Here are the rules. We are working within the rules with you. And I know you're gonna break the rules. So I'm gonna fix it when you break the rules. However, we need to have triage steps in place. And I, I and you know, I think, <sighs> The, the first thing is, you know, don't panic. It's going to happen. Um, there are varying levels <laughs> of breakdowns in any system. We're dealing with technology. We're dealing with things that have microprocessors in them. And as more and more microprocessors get in them, uh, there are things that code just won't fix. There's just environmental issues. And, it, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's more a matter these days of the interpersonal side of technology management than the technical side of technology management and, and being prepared and embracing it and uh, being happy with the collaboration. I mean, it's, what is it, uh, the guy who paints the trees, there's, they're happy accidents, there's no mistakes, there's just, they're just happy accidents, you know? And so, you know, embrace the happy accidents and prepare for the happy accidents. Uh, James, I'll bring you into this and, and I'm sure you can relate to some of the things that Rich is talking about, but, when, when it comes to uh, approaching a project and, and you know, bo both you and Raj kind of have a little bit of a special perspective on things because in some regard, you have an advantage because you're closer to the projects and closer to the users, but I'm sure that there are other uh, unknowns or, or other challenges that we as outsiders may not look at or be able to predict. Uh, can you share some of those that you, you may encounter when, when you're working on a project or where, or, or some of the, the, the pitfalls that may not be obvious. Uh, yeah. Like Rich was getting at, um, you always make mistakes. Um, as I always say is if you're not making mistakes, you're not learning, you're not growing. Uh, you're stuck in a bubble doing the same thing over and over. We as tech 
folks need to push the boundaries and continue to grow. And with that comes mistakes. It's how you learn and how you recover. Um, kind of like something Rich had, I had an incident myself where we, I was plugging in new equipment. I knew there was a risk of it taking down the AV network. I saw, I took the measures to prevent that, but I missed one piece of equipment plugged it in, took down the whole AV network. I had it up and running in no time flat. We recover quickly, but it's that whole thing of knowing, okay, this is what's going on. This is how to fix it. And we were able to solve it real quick, but again, like there's always mistakes. So like Rachel was saying, you have to prepare for it. You have to watch for it and uh, can't let it knock you down. You can't sit there and pull your hair out wondering, why the place is burning down. You have to react and get it going. Yeah, no, that's a great point, James. And to kind of go off on that, you know, here at USC, I mean, we did some major projects and major upgrades across the 300 spaces, which is a combination of conference rooms and lecture halls and classrooms. And one of the things that I look at when I design systems, when it, whether it's control or AV, is I look at the best case and worst case scenario. You know, we always want to design for the worst case scenario, not the best case scenario, because, you know, there's always good things on the upside, but it's the downsides and the failures is what we need to plan for. So with regards to anything that there is out there, you know, whether it's um, control, there's a workflow, what does that look like? What does that worst case scenario look like for every situation? And then we need to account for that because as you guys said, as both Rich and James mentioned, you know, mistakes will happen, issues will come up. And, you know, but what do we do to address those mistakes? How do we design systems that are scalable? I mean, if you have a few hundred spaces, you know, and you have a small staff, then how do you give them the right tools, whether it's uh, being able to bring up a control system in a classroom from anywhere so they can assist the faculty member, whether they can address the firmware issue that James mentioned and Rich mentioned that, you know, you know, you have to track for that because if firmware versions are behind, as AV is becoming more integrated with IT and technology, these things that may seem a nuance will become magnified because there's dependencies that have been created. As an example, one thing, so you know, being ITS here at USC, we work closely with all the different departments here like facilities and CCDs. So we also do access and management in our classroom. So access management is door locks and everything else. We control that. They're scheduled on and off when the doors lock and unlock. So I was looking at it that we were encountering a lot of issues and there were issues that we had to call in security and facilities and always get it addressed. So I was like, okay, how long these have been in place? They've been in place 10 years. I'm like, I mean, these are systems and programmable systems. And I asked them, let's look at one of them. And apparently there's been no firmware upgrade that's been done for the past 10 years. So it's in the original firmware that was put in 10 years ago. And of course, it's not facility's fault because again, it's not their role. Even though it falls under their purview, they don't understand that, you know, there are things that you got to do to keep up. And a lot of issues that we're encountering can be addressed with firmware updates because that's the nice thing about being in the software world we live in. Prior to that, once you shipped hardware, that was it. You couldn't do anything else to it. But now in software, we can add capabilities and features and fixes. And so that brings up, you know, practices have to be in place to address that. And again, our systems will be only as good as our practices. So there's no good or bad manufacturer. There's no good or bad software. 
it depends on what you do as an individual or as a team and what practices you put in place to address a lot of those things. And so those are valid points. Those are definitely valid points. When it comes to stuff like that, uh, Rajan, you know, I think that, that, that that's a lot of what we, we've talked about in terms of the silos that exist. And that's one that many people wouldn't actually think about, but is that something right. that you see as being a, a uh, integration down the road where, where the, the AV system is going to now be integrating with door locks and security and, and those types of things? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I do see, you know, a direction in which we're going towards where everything is uh, now online, everything is centralized from a centralized control perspective. I do see that. And at the minimum, even if we may not have control over it, but we may have influence on that and we may be able to provide education to our partners in the different campuses, because again, you know, their role is very different from ours and our role being technologists and being AV technologists, we want to make sure that we bring to forefront and address whatever issues that we see. And what's interesting, you know, for us at USC, and I'm sure that's true across the board for most campuses, is that when you look at the AV department, I mean, we're truly a customer-facing organization within ITS. So we're dealing with different individuals, whether it's faculty, we're dealing with facilities, we're dealing with the construction team. When you talk to other individuals who may work in IT, they're in the server team or the firewall team, I mean, they could go years without having to ever interact with any customer, which is our end users, right? So that way it puts AV in a very unique position where now with the deep integrations we have uh, when it comes to control, automation, uh, being everything, everything's online, everything has an IP address, uh, we do have a lot more influence. And that's what I always try to tell my peers as well, too, that, you know, there's a lot of influence that you have, both in terms of bringing to forefront these things, especially the day and age we live in, where security is paramount, you know, I mean, again, when you have these things, we also have uh, a responsibility to be good stewards of this technology. And that's where, you know, we lean on our peers like James or different universities for best practices, you, Steve and Rich, you know, our integrator and partners, what are those things that we need to be aware of, right? I mean, those things come to forefront because you have things like, as I mentioned, something as simple as a door lock or something as simple, simple as voice control in the room. You know, how do you make sure that you put those best practices in place? And those are things that, as you said, I mean, I'm more interested in because technology changes and that's now understood by everybody. We live in this world where change is constant. So that is um, appreciated and, and accepted practice now. What we need to understand is that would focus on things that don't change, right? Things like customer support, things like a user experience. Those are things that are not going to change. Those are going to remain the same. So we need to focus on those areas and make sure that everything else that's there is kind of shielded from the user and we provide a good um, experience for them based on whatever change there may be. And going with what Raj says is as IT grows, I keep saying IT is like this blob and keeps growing and things are falling underneath it. And like you said, see the access control is starting to get integrated. And probably a lot of people are going to sit here and go, well, why do you need to integrate your door locks with your control system? But let's play devil advocate. Raj and I both work in higher ed, a lot of school shootings. If you can hit an alarm on the touch panel that says, lockdown it alerts the police it locks the doors it automates all this 
So that's a good integration. Now, I'm not saying schools are doing this or not, but that's one avenue that can be achieved by integrating these facilities and, and integrating the security and or police department into what some people might just look at as, oh, you're turning on a projector or turning it off. Well, you can actually send a lot of messages across campus and that's hitting everybody. You have 30 to 20, uh, 30 to 40 students in a classroom. You turn on that projector with a warning going across. They're all getting that message. Yeah, you can send it to a cell phone, but you can't guarantee that their phone's on, their phone's getting reception. At least there, we can say, hey, projector turned on and got the message. I think a lot of what we're talking about too, which is something that I, I wanted to make sure that we touched on is, is that there's a lot more um, in-house integration that's going on as you guys are discussing. And, and you know, as, as you're saying, you, you have clients that you have to work with and you have that, that purview of, I, I have this technology that has to serve the users that I'm working for potentially. And, and I, even though it's not an independent business, uh, there, there's a lot that can be related to in terms of those of us who are on the outside. However, my take is, is that those barriers need, need to be lowered so that we're, we're all working and pushing in the same direction. So, so this, that's one of the, the, I think the important takeaways for me from this, um, you know, Rich, uh, uh, kind of let, let you share your take on it, but you know, how, how do, um, individuals and companies or, or, uh, the, 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 uh, others in the industry help make this more, more possible? How, how do, how do we help to, uh, to, to further the, the ability for, for uh, James and, and Raj to be able to, to learn and, and be, be more uh, empowered to do what they do? Well, I think we just did it right now. I mean, I, you know, it, what, what just occurred here was really fascinating to me because again, I, I, I do commercial work and I, I do educational work, but you know, my sweet spot's always been, you know, residential and, and bespoke. However, you know, just this past five minutes of conversation, there was great information that I could take and apply to projects universally. I, I mean, it was good stuff. And, and that's what I just keyed in on, openness to focus on project level man. And, and we've talked about this over and over. I mean, why do we get with technology managers? You know, why do we open up? Um, a big part of it is getting out of your silo. Uh, you know, again, Raj and James just gave me great information. You know, hopefully at some point I'll chime in on something that I've come across that we can take and apply and collaborate. So shows like this, um, silly things like even Facebook groups, uh, you know, searching out, um, constantly searching out and constantly looking to improve your craft through collaboration. Uh, and not necessarily, you know, dealing with the white papers, not necessarily dealing with, uh, you know, spec sheets or anything like that, but, but focusing and reinvesting in your community and being open and, and, and having that ability to reach out and, and to also, oops, hold on a second, I was about to get, speaking of technology, getting in the way. Um, one, of the, one of the keys is, is being okay with acknowledging that you've made mistakes or that you 
are in the weeds or that, hey, this is something that's new for us and getting past that hesitation. Because uh, again, we, we all, I think, you know, if you've written code or, or, you know, however your baby is, nobody wants you to call, you know, you don't want your baby being called ugly. So the first thing, <laughs> you know, you're worried about is, you know, putting your baby pictures up and saying, look at my baby. And everybody's going, yeah, that's, I, I bet he's got a great sense of humor, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and, and for me, that, that was a turning point for me. Um, as, you know, when our company grew and, and originally I had partners and I was used to being a solo shop. I was used to working alone. I was used to working and kind of running the ship and everything starting and ending with me. And as things changed, as projects changed, as projects grew, I can't do it all on my own but I had to set aside my own insecurities as a professional, as somebody who's been doing it for decades, who still screws up and owning it and saying, okay. And then all of a sudden turning around and going, the, the world didn't end. I didn't get mocked or, you know, nobody got on my case. Yeah. You know, maybe something happened, but, but we recovered. And I think what, what Raj and James were talking about was, was just that there are new challenges that we're being faced with and there are new challenges that, some of us have had experience with, um, you know, I mean, again, bringing up school shootings is not a popular or a, a, a warm and fuzzy conversation, but it's a real one. And all of a sudden it occurred to me, you know, again, I've dealt with, you know, executive protection services and, and you know, safe rooms and all of those things. You know, I mean, again, there, there, there are some parallels in how that comes together, whether you're dealing with a classroom, whether you're dealing with an executive boardroom, or whether you're dealing with an executive residence. Uh, but it, you know, again, what, what just happened, they talked about, that sent me back just right now thinking about projects going, did I cover those? Did I consider these things? I mean, did I miss something just because it wasn't at the forefront? And that's what I like about this. And that's what, you know, it constantly reinforces to me is, you know what James I mean he, he mentioned it aside but but being an active learner and being a lifelong learner um, and being willing to set aside your fears of not being enough <laughs> and kind of putting it under the rug and saying you know here it is We're, we are all here to learn we are all to support one another given the opportunity and I think a lot of times we cut ourselves out by not giving others the opportunity to work with us I mean, I agree. Being able to be open and working with each other is important. And uh, that's one thing I, I'm not sure if Steve and Rich is aware, of, but I know what Raj is. Um, one of the things I started was a uh, higher ed AVIT Slack group that has people from USC, from Bates, from Rutgers, and all across the globe, uh, even who are in our shoes who can say, hey, we're running into this issue. Who can help with this? And there's been times that people have jumped in and helped me. And there's times I've jumped in and helped people. And it's sharing knowledge, it's sharing that experience and helping each other out. I mean, 20 heads is better than one. Yeah, which I, which I agree totally, James. I mean, you know, and that's been highly useful for me as well too. I mean being in higher ed and having that uh, peer group that I could reach out to always because, you know, nine times out of 10, somebody has encountered it in the past, whether right now or, you know, or in some time in the past, or they know somebody who has 
So that camaraderie and collaboration is key, I do believe, and not just within um, our peers, but also within our in individual universities too. Like, you know, now, as I was mentioning, with, uh, with the control systems and everything being deeply integrated with IT, one of the things that I did at USC is reached out to a networking team to establish good relationships with them, all the different departments, uh, you know, because collaboration goes both ways. I mean, you know, because we don't exist in silos anymore, we're integrated not just within campuses, but also outside of campuses to health science campus or anywhere else. Uh, and the other thing to your point, Steve, in terms of partners coming in to help us with that too, that's where we lean upon heavily as far as not just our peers, but also our partners to ensure that, you know, what can they bring to the table? Because there's a lot of things that we do, we may not be aware of, the things we're made aware of, whether it's best practices, whether it's things that are like, okay, we encounter some issue where, you know, we have some older spaces where they have older lighting control, like how do we integrate with that? You know what I'm saying? Or we have newer stuff because a lot of that world is changing as well too in that space where you have a lot of new entrants and they may come in, but they don't follow traditional control protocols. So understanding how that is. So, you know, just partnering with the with different universities, you know, different programming companies, our partners, integrators, you know, and I think the more collaboration to James point we have, the better it is because there's more opportunity to learn. And I think one key thing is that, you know, the world we live in right now, most people have come to the agreement that, you know, that mistakes will happen to Rich's point, because again, software in a good and bad way has introduced that concept where people have this idea of what is good enough, right? And they understand that it's going to iterate and get better at some point of time. So that's all, that's another key thing. And for me, at least, that's been instrumental is uh, working with end users and ensuring that. One other thing that I do want to point out is that, you know, is understanding that um, when we work with end users, we want to engage them early on rather than do all the work and then bring them in. Because then this creates this issue where they may not like or they may not uh, appreciate that some of the feature set that they were looking for was not incorporated. So we always want to engage with them at a very early on basis, whether it's, uh, you know, what does, because at the end of the day, no matter what we do on our end, no matter what product mix there is, uh, from a user perspective, right? I mean, they are only interested in what they see, what they touch, what they hear in a room. And what can we do to ensure that those senses of a user when they walk into the space are addressed in every way and that's a seamless frictionless operation for them. I totally agree. Like one of the projects I just got done was an audio upgrade to what we call our coffee house. And when I sat down to look at the project, the first thing I did was sit down with the, the vet services people who use it and I go, tell me how you use the space. I mean, I don't use it. I, I can sit here and throw all the bells and whistles in. I need to know how they use the space. And we went from there. And once we, I knew how they use the space, I could design a system to meet their needs, but wow, the throwing the whole uh, kit and caboodle at all. I mean, you don't want to overwhelm your users with so many options that they don't even know what to do. You give them what they need and then grow from there, keep it very simple. So uh, in being that we only have a few minutes left, I, I did want to see both from Raj and James, um, what one would one question that I have is how would uh, to Raj to your point and I guess this is probably uh, I'll direct it to you how how can we help better how can we help more B 
because a lot of the people I'm sure that are listening to this are probably in a position where they look to serve you, your clients or, or similar. Uh, yeah. So for me, the main thing is just understanding and collaborating. So like uh, key thing for me is, like I said, you know, there's one thing for us is that, you know, we cannot be learning everything at every time. And that's where partners like you come into play, where you can educate us like best practices, especially not just best practices in terms of use cases, but also for the for the worst case scenario that I talked about. Right. Mm-hmm. Like what are those worst case scenarios like uh, to James point, like, you know, like active shooter. Like, how do we address that, you know? Because on our end, because we uh, have responsibility for our spaces and that responsibility is not just based on technology, but it's also the well-being and and security for everybody as well too. So what are those things that we need to address uh, for collaboration in those spaces? Like, um, you know, for hybrid learning right now, I mean, that's, that's a big thing. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, Zoom is the flavor of the month right now. I mean, that may change. It used to be Skype before that used to be something else. And again, so one of the things that um, that I look for my partners is that what can they do to provide me uh, solutions that focus on those three things I mentioned with the customer experience, customer support, you know, I mean, we don't want to look at the upside. We want to look at, okay, when things break down, you know, what can we do to address that? Because it's usually the upside is what allows us to put a product in, but it's the downsides that keep us employed in university, right? So uh, those are the things that I look for when I work with my partners. And those are the things I want to be educated on as well, too. Um, I agree. Uh, my whole thing is I, I think it's changing, but like Rod says, having a partnership um, and not a third party or integrated company coming and going, this is how you do it, but saying, almost sitting down and saying, hey, how you want to do it? I had a situation where we did have to go outside and um, they were doing the, the heavy lifting, but we were still using my code and the their in-house code who uh, programmer who wanted to test out, making sure the equipment was working, looked at my code, it's like, well, why are you doing this? This doesn't make sense. And that was because he didn't know our users, didn't know our environment. And I was like, our users don't like doing it that way. This is how they want to use the system. And I, I feel that's happening more where, especially in higher ed, where us tech managers are getting more, almost that respect. Like um, I know Raj, Joe has said this a couple of times where he was in a meeting and they didn't give him the respect until they were leaving and they saw CTS on the back of his name. That shouldn't have happened. Um, we shouldn't, we are getting that respect and working with people like Steve and Rich as more of a partnership instead of them coming and going, this is how you do it. This is the best practice, blah, blah, blah. Almost like, I don't want to say this, but like talking down to us because really we know what we're doing. Um, I actually on another project, I had an integrator tell me that like he's like you don't know how nice it is to work with someone who knows what they're doing instead of just going oh just do it and can't answer the questions we're now film uh building that relationship that partnership that the projects are getting done correctly in time because we're not fighting with each other thank you for that and i appreciate that and i think i'm gonna uh, let, let Rich have the final word on this, but I'm, sh- uh, but I have a feeling that that uh, we're in agreement that we want 
to be able to have the ability to perform better. And I appreciate you sharing that uh, that that insight for us, and and a lot of the same the the same uh, desires are what many of us have. Just sometimes I think that they're 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 not necessarily conveyed properly, or we're stuck too much in in a channel versus looking at everybody as a, a level playing field, saying we're 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 all in the same boat together. But so, Rich, I'll, I'll let you you know. Um, wrap this up, uh, you know, in, in terms of your takeaway and, and a recommendation that you would provide for someone uh, that that's, you know, looking to do things better, um, what, what kind of sum up what, what you've, uh, what, what you, you've heard today? Uh, you know, honestly, uh, it's just Google automation or Google whatever you need to in, on the interwebs. And, you know, the, the this, what we were just talking about, um, in these unprecedented times, right? We're not getting together for conferences. We're not getting together necessarily for trainings the way that we used to. Um, so leverage the technology that we have right now. You know, you guys were just talking about Slack channels, um, you know, groups that we've had. And, and even if you're not comfortable directly interacting, you know, start out by lurking, right? You know, sign up for lists. Uh, you know, there's lots of great lists that are out there that are part of your daily um morning process i know for me you know the first half hour of my day is just kind of reviewing through technical tidbits that i find you know and take that information and sometimes it's good information sometimes it's just click and delete click and delete but making sure that you are actively um looking for all of the sources of information you got a smartphone um, you know, in, in instead of, you know, maybe uh, Sudoku or Tetrising it, you know, on that phone for that five minutes, you know, take that moment, take your emails, you know, categorize them very quick for technical tidbits, um, you know, make use of the community channels that are there. Um, shows like this, you know, again, I, uh, you know, send a quick twit, uh, uh, tweet or, or, you know, a recommendation and ask that, you know, if, if there's that list, you know, how do you sign up for the list? Uh, you know, how do you, how do you find ways to, to interact with each other? And I think that um, more than anything else, it, it now more, more than ever, um, really focusing on getting out of your silo uh, because you are dealing with varied industries. And, and we're not just, you know, 25 years ago, it was pretty straightforward what we did. You know, there was, there was not that many avenues outside of, you know, some relays and RS-232 cables, some db29s and and that was about or db uh db15 cables and uh at this point now it's it's more a matter of let's let's focus on um grabbing as much information as you can outside of outside of your silo well i think that's a good one for us to all take away um and and that'll do it for today for the show um and i i I appreciate your guys' uh, uh, thoughts on this, and this was a very interesting. and And I, I know uh, I've learned some things and and had some some good takeaways myself. So first, I'd like to thank you for both for uh, being part of it. First, I'd like to start with James King from Stockton University. How can people get in touch with you? I know you and I spend some time on Sunday mornings on Avian the AM. So, uh, however, uh, people can reach you or learn more about what you're up to. Uh, first, like you see, thanks for having me. Like I said, this is probably one of my favorite podcasts as being an in-house programmer really uh, resonate with uh, uh, what I do. But yeah, people want to get hold of me. The best is uh, on Twitter, at AV underscore James King. 
or you can also check out my uh, monthly articles for the new higher ed digital magazine where I write about IT in AV. Um, so those are probably the best two places to get a hold of me. And what, what's the URL for that? Sorry, what was that? What, what's the URL for the higher ed? Uh, higheredav.com, I believe. Great. Thank you. And uh, Raj Singh from USC, I read your feature piece actually on the higher ed uh, online magazine. So thank you for being with us. And how could people get in touch with you and, and learn more about what you do? Yeah, thanks for having me as well, Steve. So people can reach me at my email at uh, Raj, that's R-A-J dot Singh, S-I-N-G-H at USC dot E-D-U or also on my Twitter, which is at Raj Singh 7722. And I'd be happy to answer any questions or anything that people want to know about me. And I appreciate having uh, the show, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, last but not least, another great show, Rich. Thanks for being a part of it. And I'm glad you're back. So how could people get in touch with you and uh, learn more about what you're up to? I I'm glad to be back. And, and honestly, I mean, this was for me personally, this was this was great information. I'm 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 stealing stuff from James and Raj already. I had already got my wheels going. Uh, you better follow them on Twitter. <laughs> uh, if you wanna if you wanna find out more about uh, our company, you can uh, type my name into the interwebs. Things show up, uh, both positive. And, well, I, hopefully mostly positive. I don't know if there's too many of uh, my legendary escapades anymore on there. Uh, but uh, you can also find me on Twitter at rfragosa. Uh, you can, more importantly, I, I would love if you could find us here on our avnation.tv suite of shows, uh, here with my good friend Steve, uh, or as well as some of our other shows. We've got Resi Week, AV Week, uh, we've got, uh, gosh, it's so many suite of shows, so many great shows. And, and again, we were talking about kind of grabbing information and you never know where you're going to get information. Um, there's a lot of affiliated shows that do relate directly to what we do. Uh, that you really ought to check them out. Uh, and so obviously see us here and support our sponsors in every way you can because we love doing it for you. Thanks, very well put. And uh, I'll add to that EdTech, uh, which I, I know that uh, James has been a part of and uh, that, that's a, another great show, especially if you wanna learn more about uh, this part of the industry. And uh, and, and I was recently on, which I don't think has been published yet, but an AV profession. So that's about the business side of the uh, AV industry. But thank you um, for uh, listening and and thank you for joining us and and uh and make sure that you do uh reach out and let us know what you like and what you learn want to learn more about and what want to hear more from uh in terms of uh the different parts of the industry if you want to reach me i'm at steve greenblatt on all social media and my company control concepts at controlconcepts.net but other than that that is it for today for a state of control 